Welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name's Kevin. And my name is Daniel. And this is episode 56. I got no clever rhyme or nope, anything. There's for nothing that one. there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a plunker. 56. Just like when I turn 56, it's going to be nothing. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nothing to look forward to in your 50s. No, huh? not, not at all. Not okay. at all. Now, my friends, if you didn't know or didn't care, The Save Room is brought to you by the two softest boys in gaming. You can find us on SoundCloud.com slash The Save Room Show, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, and on RSS feeds we don't know about. Castbox! No. <laughs> I don't want to throw it in there. They don't. They did not respond to my emails. Anyway, please like, share, subscribe, or send us your unwanted PS1 games. Do it all. Do everything you want to do. Just give us a follow. That's all there that counts. There it is. And if you want to give us a follow over at Twitter, you can follow us at twitter.com slash show or at saveroomshow. Because we use ats there. Um, we always welcome... You need to type in twitter.com... No, no, no. HTTP <laughs> slash forward slash forward slash... And there, you can send us anything you want, but we're always welcoming Mr. X memes. It's, it's our favorite. It's in this year. We love it. Yeah, it's not going to end. Just because it came out in January doesn't mean stop. No. It means go harder. You I know understand? people forget about the January games, but we yeah. won't forget. We'll never forget. I, I asked you yesterday, I was like, do you think Sekiro is going to be your game of the year? You're like, I already have a game of the year. It's <laughs> already two. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> come on, man. Don't come at the king unless you intend to kill the king. Okay. Oh, uh, if you want to see more of my face, or possibly more, that's a hard wink, you can watch me on twitch.tv slash theredherb. I stream, I drink on stream, mm-hmm. and we all have fun. We do. Well, so, I sometimes I pop in and I have a drink and I have fun with you. We Well, yeah, that's yeah. the family. We got into this whole Discord thing this week, which is a whole new thing. If you guys want to follow us over there, we have a Save Room Show Discord that Vargi put together. The community yeah. got into this whole Discord thing. I am still struggling to understand it. Yeah. I look at it and go, oh, I don't know if I have enough like brain matter to mm-hmm. encompass this in my... But I believe everyone in, in saying that, you know, it's cool. It's cool. It's just a big <laughs> chat room. I mean, the only Discord I know is Zenyatta's Discord. So that's ah! all I got. Uh, um, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me over at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels, where I usually talk video games, life, and um, sometimes you can find me there eating an entire cookie cake naked. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. People like the ASMR and they like my body. <sighs> Different kind of sub, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kevin, my dude. How have you been? Uh, it's fine. Yeah? Just um, fine? Yeah. I, I had a better week than last week. Last week was hellacious. The first week I was back from Ireland, I just jet lagged and all fucked up, waking up at six and just kind of wondering what it was all about and then uh this week was fine we had a very dour week last week dour would be the right term for mm-hmm. it this week i would say was not dandy maybe just like a little less than dandy like dand it was dand this week hmm. dand apostrophe <laughs> <laughs> no it was fine how okay. you been how you been been all right i think i'm on that same upswing where i'm i'm shedding the last of my anxiety skin and feeling a little more like me, which is still anxiety-ridden and depressed. But it's like just... an episode of the X-Files. <laughs> it's weird. Mulder, we've got an anxiety monster. Oh, God. I'm going to find you in the sewers like the Chupacabra episode. <laughs> Do you remember that? Just like no. looking down, your eyes are shining like a cat. <laughs> and just shaking. Good fuck, damn, what's going on? <laughs> but I've been doing a little better, getting back into the gaming here and there. Um, being busy with work and just watching a lot of Mad Men in my downtime. So a lot of Mad Men, a lot of Mad Men. Yeah, I'm I, in the last season stretch right now. Curious about that. Didn't that end like ten years ago? It ended ten years ago, but my uncle keeps persisting that it is one of the best dramas of all time, and I want to give him the 
the courtesy of watching it through. Sure. Let me ask you, is that Don Draper? Is he still cheating? He's always is cheating. Is he still cheating? That's my thing. Like, you could have the hottest woman in the world and you're still fucking around with other he's women. He's still cheating. But he's got swag. He's got style. There's something about him. You but know? he's like 48. He should know, like, better. Like, hey, it's time for me to settle down and stop, like, trying to sell Philip Morris cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. That's all. I think for me, it's more about like the ambiance of the yeah. show. Like I can sometimes not care for the character motivations or what's happening, but I like the setting a lot. The ambient, like as in you like hearing the the nineteen sixties voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll print that. See, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's something really sexy and fascinating yeah. about like the ad agency in that time. I don't know. Hey, speaking of sexy, I'm watching a show about robots fucking and killing each other. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, Love, Death, and Robots. Apparently it's 18 episodes on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting fact about it. They're all short. They're like almost vignettes. They're like short films each. Okay. And they're all animated. Primarily CG animated. But the cool thing is, and somebody had to tell me this, is that they change the order of episodes depending on your interest. Mm-hmm. So typically they'll top end their best episodes as tailored to you in order to hook you and keep you watching it that's like a really smart algorithm to be fair yeah. the first three episodes i watched were fucking great i was like oh this is actually really good what do you think it bases it off of like your watching history or like what you like it's gotta be it's yeah. gotta be if you watch like because like some of them are like uh hard sci-fi some of them are more jokey some of them are like just straight like crime like it, it's all different mm-hmm. genres but the the primary thing is it's probably somewhere in the future or technology based it's like mm-hmm. black mirror but animated okay and shorter and some of it some of it i some of it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's a definitely not safe for work show. Like you're seeing a lot of animated nudity. So like if you walk in nice. thinking Pixar, you're gonna walk out getting Dixar. <laughs> <laughs> what? Not quite. <laughs> I mean, not wrong, but yeah. not quite. So yeah, that's what's been going on. Other than that, just playing some uh, some video games here and there. We're playing some hot video games, just aren't we? Some hot video. I've been rotating through three video games this weekend. Let me tell you what. Mm, let me tell you what. We're not gonna spoil it here because we're trying this new thing it's 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 fun it's fresh we put our video games that we've been playing at the back of the episode because we've been hearing that the news it takes too long to get to who who said that somebody on reddit somebody on reddit yeah there's a Uh, save from reddit now i don't know (laughs) our soft boys oh that's a different one oh shit hate that i hate it too but yeah we'll talk about what games that we have been playing i'll give you a hint uh a hero of mine it's Sekiro. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I spoiled that one. Okay. I fucked that one up. I'm sorry. Okay. And yeah. for mine, yeah. it, it rhymes with PMC. Yeah, it's DMC. Oh, DMC oh. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was thinking about that. I thought of PVC at first. Yeah. I didn't know what you were doing. Yeah, I, I stayed true. I followed through on my promise to Kevin last week. You and I'm, I'm playing DMC Devil May Cry. You truly did. Yeah. I'm so... I, I knew the day would come. I just think that like you thought that you would not enjoy it as much as you are. I think you've always thought that, where you're just like, eh, it seems cheesy, seems over the top, but this one's not like I that. I think at the door, it's like a lot like Dragon Ball Z for me, where like there's a Weird. lot of shit going on that I don't understand, and it's hard for me to penetrate. Yeah. But like since it's a reboot of the series, like I went in kind of fresh, and it took me immediately. Like I'm having a blast with it. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so you like things that are easy to penetrate. Gotcha. All right, that's that's my <laughs> takeaway from that sentence. <laughs> 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 holy shit like a warm watermelon <laughs> i'm just saying okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. all right you want to get to this gamer news let's get dude? into this gamer news for gamers gamer news it's not for non-gamers it's only for gamer gamers <laughs> i like you yeah it was pretty good right? pretty good song i just came from the from, from the, the heart it's that your heart the song? annals of my heart 
Your heart's got like a leaky valve though, so watch out with the annals. That's okay. I just put a bucket in my belly and it catches it all. <laughs> Health insurance, man. It's the best. <laughs> I don't know doctoring. Anyway, number one on here. Uh, Persona 5 The Royal has been uh, somewhat unveiled. This actually comes our way from GameSpot. Atlas has released a short teaser revealing that the previously teased Persona 5 R is a PS4 title called Persona 5 The Royal. The trailer focuses on a new female student of Shu. Uh, hang on, hang on. Shujin Academy. <laughs> yeah? Yes, that checks out? You're, I've never played a Persona game, really. So you're I you're can't. our Japanese language correspondent on, on the show. That's <laughs> yes, hello, it's me, you. Daniel. Uh, oh, Shujin like, Academy. Nailed it. <laughs> I'll say Konnichiwa, actually. <laughs> anyway. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> Doki Doki. Uh, the character in the trailer, the character is asked of her opinion on the Phantom Thieves and says she doesn't entirely approve of them. <laughs> the Royals' additional content will likely follow this new character as she encounters the stars of the original, game, which are the Phantom Thieves. I don't know if that was a question. Is Joker considered a Phantom Thief? Yes. Okay. They're all the Phantom Thieves. Okay. Um, Atlas says we'll get more details on April 24th after the Persona Super Live 2019, which is a live concert event. Featuring music performed from the games. So it's gonna be a huge dance-off. I, I hope it's a dance-off. <laughs> oh shit, dude. Some of those some of those fucking songs slap. They I, really do though. How do we go to that? <laughs> I want I want that. <laughs> so what what's your beat on this? You have not played Persona the Fifth. Mm-hmm. Uh very popular. Some people call it the best JRPG of all time. Okay. It's like 15 people that say that, but they say it a lot. So. I've always really, really wanted to get into it. It seems like the definitive like JRPG of like this generation. A lot sure. of style, a lot of context, a lot of cool stuff, battle systems and things to get into. And the characters seem really, really interesting. Is this kind of like the way Persona Persona 4 Golden? Is this like that same sort of spinoff? Um, dealy? So it's kind of, it, it's almost like a game of the year edition, okay. but with extra content. So Persona 4 okay. Golden was the same way. It was all of Persona 4 and then a huge amount of, of supplementary content mm-hmm. to it. Like a whole new narrative thread. It seems like that's what they're doing with the Royal, which is pretty cool. But at the same time, Persona 5 is already a 100-hour game that I yeah. was not able to beat. <laughs> And this is going to be at least a 60-hour campaign. Something crazy like that. So I'm, I, the thing is, though, I'm interested still. I'm like, oh, shit, that sounds cool. But it also makes me want to go back and beat Persona 5. Because mm-hmm. I got, I, I think I put a good 30 hours into the game. And I like the style. I liked, I even like the turn-based combat. Mm-hmm. And Kevin's not a dude that, t- like, typically, uh, I have a hard stance these days about turn-based combat. Sure. Which is, nah. <laughs> nah. Yeah, just very simple. Flee nah. from battle. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm, I'm into it. I like it. I kind of want it because it's new and shiny. We cannot turn away from a new shiny game experience. I know, it's new and shiny. Man. I kind of want it because I like the style of Persona. I saw the little trailer that they had for it. It was a teaser, right? The character looks cool. I want to see how she interplays with the cast of the original Thieves, because she, if she doesn't approve of them, it makes me wonder if she has like a different like combat style or a different approach to battle. Maybe like you know she has a group of her own. Um, if it's based around the Academy, I wonder if it's going to have any like spillover from what happened in the first game. I, I would say undoubtedly yeah. it's going to be uh, related to the first game in some way. I mean, mm-hmm. it is a game, you know. Yeah. Are you, you think you're going to pick up this one because it's technically the definitive edition? If that's what it is, if it's the definitive edition, because. We don't really know. <laughs> Actually, it. I mean, 
that's the assumption that it is. Okay. Assuming it is, and this has Persona 5 in it, yeah, I would get this. Yeah. Because I still haven't picked up Persona 5. I wanted to get it when they had, like, a, there was, like, a Steelbook version that came out. I have that one. Yeah. It was really sexy and really cool, yeah, and I wanted it, still it so looks bad. Good. Yeah. I, I'll never get rid of it. I go into your room when you're at work and I touch it. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that opens up a lot of questions. How <laughs> many things are you touching in my room when I'm gone? About as many things as you touch in my room. So. And for what purposes? Like the same? It's all tactile. Like, like you just like the things mm-hmm. that feel sexy? Yeah. Okay. Listen, I've got these soft hands. I need to feel hard things on them. I thought you had hard hands from <laughs> from the the beans. The beans assault your hands. The bean burns. <laughs> the bean burns. <laughs> now, a real question mm-hmm. that I have here for mm-hmm. you is: Do you think we're ever going to see Persona Five on Switch, like everybody uh, that exists on Twitter.com uh, wants and tweets about almost on the daily? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to see a Persona game on the Switch, whether or not it's Persona 5 or like maybe Persona 4. Like they got to test it with something first because Persona 5 is it's a big game. It's a big game. But keep in mind, it also came out on the PlayStation 3. Persona 5? Yeah. Did it really? That's true fact. What? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't know that. So it can tech like if it can run on a PS3... Stands the reason it can probably run on a uh, okay. Switch. Okay, that's fair. Know? That's fair. So, Mm-mm. but at the same time, Sony is very protective of this. They know they got a little a little golden child here, mm-hmm. and I think they are more willing to be like, sure, cut your contracts for like Persona Q or whatever the fuck on sure. 3DS, but don't touch the main series. Mm. You know. So I I don't know. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. No. I know everyone thought that R was going to be the Switch one. Mm-hmm. Maybe I won't. I won't count it out now. But I feel like it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be way after the fact. We're going to be looking back at like, oh, it's 2021, and we finally got Persona on the Switch, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, six is already out. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It's like you said though. Like Sony seems to play ball a little less with those titles they hold close. They're not like Xbox taking like huge leaps and bounds with Nintendo. Leaps and bounds. But like, I feel like it. It could happen sometime, but it won't be like. It'll be missing stuff because like even when they put um. No when they put venue, huh? Doom on the Switch, like it yeah. wasn't like there were enemies missing, environments were kind of like de-rendered a little bit and de-res. Like it was mm. like a shaved down version of the game. So I never, I never played the uh, the Switch version of it. Did the, was a multiplayer even there? I don't believe so at the time. Okay, interesting. Because when it launched the. The multiplayer ecosystem for Nintendo hadn't even really gone live. Yeah, that's true, so. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Weird. I don't think you need to de the shit out of Persona because, like, it is a stylistic game, yeah, but true. I would never call it graphically intensive mm. by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like trying to uh, condense The Witcher 3 or some shit onto a Switch. It's, oh, wow. it's different. Yeah. It, no, honestly, because yeah. it's not a giant open world rpg it's very contained actually it's it's a progression of what the ps2 games were Mm -hmm. but you know i think it's doable i just think sony's in the way i mean we already got fucking joker coming to smash so cross pollination that's a foot in the door that's a foot in the door that's a foot that look at that that's a foot number two on here speaking of feet but dismembered feet we're gonna be talking about mk11 two new fighters have been announced for mortal kombat 11 we got noob cybot Thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Who is Sub-Zero's undead brother. He's back from the nether realm to tear into your ass. Fun fact. This fighter's name is a combination of the last names of series creators Ed Boon and John Tobias spelled backward. If I you did, did not, not know yeah. that. Yeah. Isn't that just the stupidest thing now that you see it? Because it's like, why do you call a character noob? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just like a gaming haha. 
because like gamers are noobs sometimes no it, it is a gaming a haha but it's more about like we need to immortalize ourselves john <laughs> ed boone seems like a fun guy <laughs> ed, ed boone does seem like a fun guy from everything that i'm hearing he's like a super nice guy he's a chicago boy oh. you know yeah great guy i want to let's go to another realm and let's just walk in and just hang out well give me the deep dish here the the other deep dish on here is that <laughs> shung shung has been announced as a DLC fighter. His appearance is modeled after actor Kari Hiroyuki Tagawa. Got it. It was a thing. Who played the sorcerer in 1995's Mortal Kombat movie. Yes, mm. I'm saying that correct. The guy that you're thinking of <laughs> is actually going to play Shang Shang in the video That's kind of cool. We finally did it, guys. It's very cool. The actor has reprised his role for the 2019 game and will also serve as your guide to the crypt. Because, like, apparently the crypt this time takes place on Shang Shang's island, just like in, you know, the original movie. Oh, wow. Fucking awesome. That's a neat time. Yeah, because if you remember the crypt, uh, that's uh, where you unlock, like, yeah. extra costumes. I remember and, it from nine yeah yeah they kept on doing it <laughs> like in 10 and then 11's bringing it back was nine the first one that really introduced that or did Correct. they have it before yeah yeah no nice. that's the first one that did crypt so that's all fucking rad he looks old as shit too <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're modeling his appearance kind of like how he looked in mortal kombat one mm-hmm. uh and then it's gonna be the actor there's a lot going on here. We're just okay. like, it's like worlds colliding. So are they like de-aging him like uh, Samuel L. Jackson in Captain Marvel? They're up-aging him. They're, oh, they're up-aging Because he looked like an old, uh, old, old man mm-hmm. from uh, for part one. You know who he looked like? He looked like um, the sorcerer guy at the end of Big Trouble in Little China. When his like fingernails are all long and shit and he's got the white like, oh, Jack! <laughs> you don't remember that? I mean, if I was hosting fighting tournaments and having yeah. a crypt, I would probably look like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm at. You're the hey, crypt keeper. Everything I'm hearing from this game are things that I want. I like that they've been, like, drip-feeding it to us, like, week in and week yeah. out. And, like, the game is, what, a month away at this point? It comes yeah, out April. at the yeah, end of April. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that I need any more details. I know it's great for you. I know I'm just excited to get my hands on the game. It's one of those things, like, I like knowing as much as possible about a fighting mm-hmm. game. Like, I like knowing which characters are going to be there. Yeah. And then if, like, if you can make it exciting every time by, mm-hmm. like, doing little video form, awesome. I love the way that they've been doing it. The one that, when they introduced Johnny Cage, that was, yeah. like, a really, really exciting way to get me hyped for him. That shit was great. Yeah, when they did his fatality and it was, like, a little, like, scene from, like, Hollywood and he was, like, on yeah. set. That was neat. I, I'm into it. I want this game so much, dude. I do. It's a day one for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a day one. There's no waiting on Mortal Kombat for okay. Kevin. You know what? That surprises people for some reason when I tell them, like, yeah, I'm actually a very big Mortal Kombat fan. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what? Really? And I was like, I'm sorry that I'm not wearing the MK yeah. Dragon on me or something. Like, but I love Mortal Kombat. I know the fucking lore. I've played every single game, including the spinoffs. Yeah, I'm a big MK head. Man. And both of us still have, like, the MK9, like, bookends of, like, Scorpion and Sub-Zero. So they're, we, they're up there. I, we, they're we're like looking around of, your room, like, yeah, where are they? Yeah, you have yours on your bookshelf, too. They're ninjas, after all. <laughs> Phantom thieves. Yeah, I saw mine. Now, let's move on. Number three, hmm. Mr. Daniel. Bioware's general manager, Casey Hudson, speaks on Anthem's rough launch. Here we go. Ooh. This actually comes from uh, blog.bioware.com. And the quote from Casey is this. It's been a wild ride these last few weeks. (laughs) On the one hand, it's been a rougher launch than expected. But then, as I think back, we also knew that big new online games tend to hit some kind of problem once they go live, end quote. He goes on to say Bioware remains committed to responding to issues as they arise. And then Hudson says many of these issues did not present themselves until they were, quote, operating at a scale of millions of players, end quote. Another quote from him. They're all quotes. We were, of course, very disappointed about that. 
as were many of you. Yeah, I, I, I remember. I remember going online. <laughs> Where were you in late February? <laughs> and that uh, their live team is working hard to stabilize the game and has already made over 200 improvements. Quote, we can't emphasize enough how much we appreciate you staying with us, especially because the next stage is where things get really exciting. End quote. The next stage includes live events, new story content, and, in the spring, Cataclysm, a gigantic raid-like event. Um, yeah, I, I like that they're coming forward and just kind of kind of saying it. Of course, they're, they're soft-pedaling their responses, going like, Hey, so, uh, <laughs> this didn't quite meet the uh, quality expectations. It's like, nah, dude, it was, it was rough as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, there were, I remember playing with uh, Dave and Chelsea, uh, with, you know, the Second City Jabs, as we call our group, uh, which you should join. Um, we went through this one mission where, for some reason, we powered through it, but things weren't loading correctly, and the characters weren't moving right, and it was like stop animation during the entire fights mm-hmm. and it was it was horrific but it was just like eh, we're kind of used to seeing things like this at the launch period mm-hmm. i've actually played the game over uh, the weekend last night and um not running into the hellacious blo- uh, bugs like i've seen before it's just more about like all right everything else about anthem is still there mm-hmm. anthem is still anthem one of the things that kind of bothered me and this is something that me and you were kind of confused about so here's the definitive thing you do not get cosmetic armor as loot drops unlike destiny and unlike the division you don't just go like oh here's a new helmet or here's a new art like leg piece or that, that doesn't happen mm-hmm. there's very few armor sets in the game you can you can do it but it's agnostic to what your gear sets are which is an interesting idea but they don't back it up with like, hey, okay, then customize your guy to, you know, look fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And they aren't really fixing that. And that's shitty. Like, wouldn't you want your fucking armor as loot in the game rather than hidden behind their fucking EA menu or something that's like only a part of very special events? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I would like it because, I don't know, in a loot shooter type game, you want to be rewarded for the things you're doing. You want those loot showers. You want not just guns and um, accessories, but you want cosmetic stuff. I don't remember Destiny doing it quite like that. I know you got cosmetic stuff at like the end of missions. It wasn't always like... Expo- like when the loot exploded from like raids or stuff like that you would get guns and stuff oh like right, that. right right yeah when you beat missions and shit you would yeah. get like oh here's a new cape here's new armor but yeah. like it was still coming in yeah so i that would, doesn't even happen i would at them. least like it at points like that like yeah. during like certain checkpoint missions like not like after i kill every enemy granted but like you know i still want cosmetics because like i don't know part of the fun and lore of being in that world is having cool jabs you know mm-hmm. and getting to specialize it towards my needs that's why i have a jab right. that looks like spawn and one that looks like genji you know <laughs> so i know i know what you do yeah. i know what you get up to uh yeah i just think like hey look at diablo diablo 3 that's pretty much how i want loot to be mm-hmm. of course they had to you know the genesis of that had to they mm-hmm. had to course correct on certain things uh from launch of diablo 3 like yeah. any live game and maybe that's an example of what hudson's talking about where it's like yeah even the big even the big boys like blizzard they came out of the gate rough start I don't know. Real rough start in Diablo 3. It took fucking two years to get that game right. It did, yeah. Because I remember when it came out on PC, people were crying hard about it. And then it wasn't until it came to PS3 and consoles in, like, what, late 2012? Yeah, it was, like, normalized. Yeah. And it was still even rough for some people. Yeah. Um, Yeah, for sure. I mean... It's hard because I look at a company like Gearbox who's been doing loot since, you know, Borderlands. And mm. I, that's like the pinnacle experience for like loot showers for me and how I like to receive it. Like, I like to fucking right. kill a boss and it explodes with purples right, and golds. Right. Like, you know? <laughs> I mean, like, like, come on. That's the experience we yeah. need, buddy. But, um, 
as far as everything else, I like I like that they want to continue supporting, and I of also course. heard uh, they're going to remove the loading screen before you get into the forge, mm-hmm. which is where you change your gear and your guns, which is nice, finally. Mm-hmm. I don't think that means they're putting it in the main menu, like live in the mm-hmm. game, which is something that I would cry for. I mean, yeah, you remove like three steps by doing that. I mean... It makes you, it so much easier. You also remove that whole, hey, you're punished for choosing a loadout before a mission mm-hmm. and then having to run the entire mission with something you don't like. I don't necessarily agree sucks. with that. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know, there have been plenty of games where you have to choose a loadout and go into it like that. But I wish, like, if failing a mission and then getting to change what I'm wearing would be easier. Like, say you... Yeah. You fail a mission. I would like there to be a forge option, like change armor set, change loadout. I know it's hard to do when you're in a live server in a live game because you have other players to account for, but like the just the option to do it would be cool. I mean, Division Two lets you. Yeah, that that's it. Like that's the whole thing. The expectation is out there already, mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not you can give a reason sure. behind. Like, oh well, you know, we don't do this because we instance this way and this and that. It's still out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have a good thing. Like this is something that I, I feel like developers. While they don't necessarily develop in a bubble, there are things where it's like, yeah, man, but the expectation was set. Like, you can make the argument, you could say, this is why it needed a loading screen, you could say this, you could Mm -hmm. say that. But if another game out there is doing it, fans are still going to have that, like, question mark in their mind about, Mm -hmm. like, why can't Bioware? And that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, yes, you can open up your loadout in the middle of a fucking firefight in Division 2 and just be like, that's not the smartest thing. But, hey, goddamn, at least I can, like, on the fly change my gear. Yeah, and it makes it that much more uh, user-friendly. This, for me... um... Some people have been saying it's too little, too late, a month out. It's been a month. Bioware's (laughs) first coming out and saying something. But I appreciate the transparency. I know it's probably hard to be under media fire and fan fire across all different forums and websites to know that your game didn't launch the way you wanted it to. Um, It's tough when you launch a game or when you're testing it on beta servers and doing what you're doing there because you're not preparing to have it throttled by millions of players the use case is so much different once it goes live sure. because it's like now you have all the stress and like you have to be testing and fixing stuff on the fly and that must have been rough for them because maybe they didn't expect it to be as big as it was yeah maybe uh-huh. uh, maybe like he says like things didn't pop up until like you know you actually expanded the scope of it yeah um but concerning that vitriol though i know the community manager did say that there are developers on their team that have just like have stopped engaging with fans on mm-hmm. social media because it's it's hard it's hard to like have people hold you accountable for the entirety of a game when you work on one piece of a game yeah you know like that's tough because i don't think i don't think like a, a casual fan and i i don't mean like oh they're a casual player i just mean like a fan that doesn't look too hard underneath the surface of how a game is actually built mm-hmm. doesn't care to hear that they just want to hear that we're gonna fix it yeah I, I want the fucking art design guy to tell me that the uh, loading problem is gonna be fixed like what the fuck it's true Leave these people alone i mean to their credit they're listening stuff is happening they here they're taking everything into account i have respect for them for being transparent yep. laying out the roadmap the cataclysm seems really really cool in terms of like end game stuff it feels a little different than the way um todd howard and co you know handled the fallout 76 launch and all that stuff but i it makes me optimistic for the future of this game and i don't know it sucks because like you don't want vitriol you want to celebrate the game you put your time into and they're not getting that chance yeah that's the thing because it's it's all all hands on deck Mm -hmm. number four on here daniel sony is launching a direct style show called state of play not to be confused with the ben affleck film uh (laughs) 
It's true. <laughs> it came out in 2009. This is actually from PlayStation Blog. Sony announced a new video program called State of Play with its first episode scheduled for Monday, March 25th. So that would be the past by the time you listen to this. Let us know how it went in a comment or something. I don't know yeah. how you engage Because today is what? Sunday, March 24th. That is correct. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, we're on the cusp. Uh, Sid Schumann wrote, quote, Our first episode will showcase upcoming PS4 and PSVR software, including new trailers, new game announcements, and new gameplay footage, end quote. He also said that this is just the beginning. Uh, quote, State of Play will return throughout the year with more updates and announcements. So this is going to be their means of communicating with the fans from now on. They've backed out of E3 mm -hmm. 2019, and... I don't think they're at GDC, which is slowly becoming more consumer-centric as a uh, as kind of a showcase, which mm -hmm. is interesting because it is literally called the Game Developers Conference. Yeah. <laughs> but um, for Sony, they want to control the messaging, and I think it's wise that maybe they take a look at something like E3 and go, cool, we could have fucking like four amazing announcements, and if Xbox suddenly surprises us on stage with like free Halo 6 for everybody, that is going to be the mindshare of the evening, you know? Maybe mm -hmm. they want to, like, walk out of that. I would want to walk out of that and be like, this is my own shit. Why, why does Nintendo get a Direct that's their own thing, you know? I mean, we knew this was coming. We had to have known this was coming with them pulling out of E3, them canceling their own uh, PSX event for, what, this past year? Because it was supposed to happen in January or December? Well, <laughs> whenever it was supposed to happen. They no one said it was annualized. It. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's Sony's excuse. Yeah. Oh, we didn't say we do it every year. <laughs> but like, okay, so they pull out of their two major conferences and it's like, okay, well, they have to communicate information with us right. somehow. They have the PlayStation blog, which is, it's great. You know, it keeps us up to date with stuff. Sean Layden gets to poke in and say his words here and there. But like, they needed something. <laughs> his and gamer words. I feel like they had to see what Nintendo was doing. They're like, we want a piece of that. We yeah. want to do that. And even Xbox is doing it now, Yeah, with too. inside Xbox. So I think it's thing. smart, um, especially with how E3 went for Sony. Um, felt Last like, E3, yeah. Yeah, where people felt like they wasted their time, and it was like a big yeah. waste of money. And Am I what, in the right room? Like, what did they even really show? But, like, I think they were an important presence at conferences like that. But as yeah. time goes on, like, conferences like that just become dated, you know? Sure. Video conferences might be the future. Who was talking about it? It was... Uh, name was amanda something she was on um uh kind of funny games daily she was talking about how e3 is kind of a, at a weird juncture point where mm -hmm. they're kind of like assessing their own relevancy you know they opened it up to the fans mm -hmm. uh, a while back and that's a shit show because they just added what like two hundred thousand people that want to wait in line for six that, hours that was like two three years ago yeah two three years ago <laughs> and so Maybe they're having a bit of a little identity crisis and kind of like, what are we? And people are leaving us. I don't understand. They're getting fat. They're eating Ben and Jerry's every day. Mm -hmm. they, they just don't know where they're at. They don't know where they're at. They don't know where they're at. And these other companies are like, ooh, well, while they get their shit together, mm -hmm. we're going to control the messaging and do our own like kind of direct style shit. And I think it makes sense because you can drip feed the announcements and also kind of have this uh, media swell that happens not just for one month out mm -hmm. of the year, but like there could be three or four or five months in the year where you're like, hey, we controlled it by saying, here's Death Stranding's mm -hmm. uh, release date. We controlled it by saying, here's a uh, Ghost of uh, Tsushima. You know, like, here's the, the date, maybe some more gameplay. They can keep on doing that. Mm -hmm. And it's smart. Yeah. It's smart. I, I mean, can't say no to it. We don't know the exact format of it. I would like to see it sort of pantomime the Nintendo Directs where it's like, okay, you have 
a gameplay announcement, maybe a trailer, and then maybe a tech demo after, like kind of a la like how they do with the treehouse segments, where it's like, here's somebody playing yeah. Death Stranding, here are the features in motion. I think it's going to be a big dance number. Sean mm-hmm. Layden's going to come out with a boombox over his uh, shoulder, mm-hmm. and he's going to roller skate onto a stage in a nondescript uh, Pasadena warehouse, <laughs> and he's going to go back and forth just going, you like Ghost? You like Shishima? Got something for you, sucker punch on this, and then it'll do a hard smash cut to a CRV. TV that shows you the trailers. And then you realize it was all done in dreams. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why they showcase dreams. <laughs> this presentation was brought to you by dreams. Even Sean Layden. And then you see the wireframe of Sean Layden. <laughs> like, oh my god. <laughs> Media Molecule, they're up to something over there. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> um, what do you think they're going to show on this uh, March 25th one, if there's anything big that they're going to open with? I don't think the first one's going to be our PS5 drop, let me tell you No, that no, no, right I don't now. think so either. Yeah. No, I think they would do a standard conference for PS5. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, I think... hardware is still going to be that. Exactly. Um, I, I do think that they're going to finally date the games that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're going to start off strong and be like, Last of Us Part 2. It's coming out, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima, here's a date. Death Stranding, here's a release window. Okay. <laughs> something. Something like that. But I think we're going to get an update on those games. Maybe we get an announcement of a game that we didn't know mm-hmm. to put on our radar this year. And bingo, bango. And then we'll we'll see you guys again in uh, July. You know? Hmm. Or June or July. I think we get some pump up of some things we already know about. Maybe a little bit more of Death... Um, not Death Stranding. A little bit more of Days Gone, since that's coming out next month. Maybe uh, more of Dreams. And then maybe some like indie support. And then they like build up to something bigger. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that'd be cool. Alright, speaking of directs here. We got a number five on the list. Nintendo drops their first Nindy Direct of 2019. Oh. Yeah. On Wednesday, March 20th, Nintendo put on their Spring Showcase and their first Nindy Direct of the year. Highlighting 18 games, the 30-minute showcase was enough to get people buzzing over new indie titles on the Switch, like My Friend Pedro, Stranger Things 3 The Game, and the Crypt of the Necrodancer spinoff crossover, Cadence of Hyrule. Hyrule. Ooh, looks so cool. It does look cool. But when Nintendo revealed Cuphead was coming to the Switch, it got us all buzzing about achievements and Xbox Live xbox live features coming to the switch that's fucking right cuphead is coming to the switch yeehaw motherfuckers is there a yeehaw yeah I, I put a yeehaw there okay yeah. um there's a full rundown you can go ahead and check out over at GameSpot. they did a really really uh great write-up of everything i can kind of go ahead and like highlight some of them if you want uh what anything stand out to you i mean cadence of hyrule looks pretty cool it is crypted the necro dancer featuring the legend of zelda brace yourself games is making the spinoff follow up to its 2015 indie hit cadence of hyrule takes the familiar rhythm gameplay from the crypt of the necro dancer but this time cadence finds herself in the land of hyrule assisted by nintendo's link and zelda and it's coming this spring. It's going to have 25 chiptune remixes of Legend of Zelda songs across the series. I think that's going to be neat as fuck. I think it's cool that Nintendo's just experimenting with their big IPs like that, letting right. an indie studio just do something cool and in-house with it. It's also nice that we don't have to wait five years for Nintendo's gigantic Legend of Zelda yeah. game. We're getting this year, we're getting the, uh, what was it called? The Link, remake of? Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening yeah. remake. Awesome. That looks fantastic. And then we have this game, which mm-hmm. is, first of all, they are also pointing out, this is like one of the first times that they have allowed an indie developer to handle the franchise. Mm-hmm. We've seen partnerships before. Sure. You pointed out to me. Uh, the Capcom captain that Capcom did Age of Seasons and Oracle of Seasons. Yeah, Oracle the... of Agents and Oracle of Seasons. I almost got those yeah. right uh, back in the day. That's pretty fucking cool. Um, but this is this is interesting. I wonder if we're going to see things like that in the future mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, you know what? 
You, you, you oxen-free lads. You did a really good job there. Here's some fucking Zelda. Here's some Zelda for you. Some Zelda for you. You got a Zelda. Look under your chair. It's a fucking minish cap. Look at that. Go crazy. <laughs> go, go. Yeah, do a whole fucking game about uh, a skull lad. I don't know. It looks cool. You got those three playable characters, and they all have, like, abilities that are tied to, like, who they are, which is really neat. And I hate to say this, I almost like the style of this more than what I saw with Link's Awakening remake. Like, it just pops a little more for It's me. the dead eyes, huh? It, yeah, the dead eyes. The dead eyes, eyes and Link's yeah. Awakening? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't like that. Give me a skin that gives them actual, like, eyeballs. So yeah. I don't, I don't, it, it's a lot. Uh, what else stands out to you from Um Mindy's? Cuphead, obviously. Cuphead I've been looking forward to yes. for fucking ages. I love a yes. run and gunner. Cuphead is all style. The music looks great. It looks tough. Um, it is. I, now I don't have to, like, unearth your Xbox. I can play it on my Switch. That's nine hours of updates right there. Oh, my God. But it comes out on April 18th, and I'm going to go hard on it. Like, oh, shit. So hard. And it's going to have some fucking achievements. So it has Xbox Live features. Not necessarily Xbox Live coming to the Switch. Just say, we're going to see features like this. And from what I understand, uh, Xbox said we're going to see, when they do, like, crossover games like this, we mm-hmm. may see similar things in the future. So say, like, you know, Ori and the Blind Forest comes out maybe we're gonna still be able to like get those you know achievements on the system and Mm -hmm. whatnot link your xbox live account and there you go you're popping achievements on a switch i mean this is their testing ground to see what they could do with it and what they want to do with it. right right which is neat i think that's that's pretty interesting Mm -hmm. never thought i would see the goddamn day that you'd be popping achievements on a switch let alone for another company that that's wild we've that's never a, heard of anything like yeah, that that's before the weirdest <laughs> i'm into it well i mean xbox was kind of the shepherd in terms of achievement systems they had it before uh, sony ever brought trophies to the ps3 i think Shut your trophies mouth. i know we love trophies but Shut they were an afterthought for the ps3 right. you're right you're right <laughs> like they were <laughs> so, no, you're totally right um there, there was a period of time where there was like certain launch games that just did not have trophy lists and they never went back and put trophy lists i remember on. metal gear solid four four did, initially didn't have, didn't have trophies didn't and have trophies did. and then they added this gigantic update where it's like 200 trophies where you gotta <laughs> sneak sneak forever yeah. <laughs> sneak every day of your life don't sneak skip a cutscene. <laughs> never skip <laughs> amplify turn the volume up so your neighbor is here every cutscene trophy <laughs> like it was all weird shit oh my god no uh, i'm i'm stoked for that stoked for the possibilities here do you think you're gonna get cuphead um probably cool <laughs> like i liked it a lot i played it before i played it on the pc with irfan oh sick irfan really dug that game so he would dig that because he, he likes his hard games yeah he likes games that are like just a fuck you to your face and your hands mm-hmm. we also got stranger things 3 the game i'm actually really stoked for that because really? it's like a 16-bit style co-op game where you get to play as like you know doesn't make a good little God. game doesn't, i mean doesn't... if it's a beat-em-up just because you can put pixels on the thing doesn't mean it's not a piece of pixel shit <laughs> Jesus Christ! Um, and then I'm just gonna read through the the names here. If you want me to go yeah. into any of them, I will. We got Red Lantern. Um, Rag is coming from Double Fine. Uh, Katana Zero. It's a, de- a Devolver Digital. Wow, it's a Devolver. Devolver Digital. <laughs> Katana. Fuck. We got Katana Zero. It's a Devolver Digital Jam. That's wow, a, that's a hard one. Wow, that's a hard one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nuclear Throne coming from Vlambeer never heard of that. Oh, uh, Vlambeer, uh, that's that uh, Rami guy that's online all the time. And, oh, that's him? And shouting at people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he seems cool. Nice. Actually. Well, yeah, it's supposed to be a roguelike style shooter. So what that's was this neat. other game? That was the one that, like, the other Vlambeer game that people went nuts for. I forget. I forget. I never played it. I feel bad for not playing it. I don't know. Right into saveroom.com slash you're wrong. You know I only play AAA shit, son. You really do. You know? You're the AAA daddy. I'm the AAA daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Highest standards. Uh, we got Super Crate Box coming from Vlambeer, and they're also doing, like, this Vlambeer arcade thing where they're going to 
going to be releasing like new indie games through their platform like i guess every month or so yeah i heard i heard that's that's a really cool thing that's a cool support thing that dude's always like talking about indie rights and sales Mm -hmm. stuff and you know a lot of people um i was reading a thread they try to hide how they're doing or the performance of an indie game, especially on Steam and stuff like that, because they feel like it shows weakness. But mm-hmm. I feel if you're more transparent about that, everyone can kind of be like, hey, we have the same problems. Maybe we should support each other. I think that's one thing that yeah, I like indie that. scene needs to happen. And I think Rami's on, on the forefront of that. Well, indie creation and, and building games is tough. It's hard. It's all self-sustaining. It's all self-sufficient. So why not have a little community where you guys can talk and ping ideas with each other? Yeah, exactly. Instead of acting like, oh, we're all competition to each other. Yeah. It's it's a little different in gaming because it's a it's a creative you know endeavor mm-hmm. and, and it's a lot of blood sweat pixels and soul that's mm-hmm. thrown into these games too so to be kind of like have that triple A mentality of like don't tell me or I don't need to know this because you know help each other hmm. that's my ineloquent point uh, we got my friend Pedro. We all know about that. I want that one so bad, dude. I saw that at PAX last year, at PAX West. I was like, yo, I'm going to pick that up day one and ape out day one. And so that's the second one that it's a day one on Switch for me. I'm just going to read this description here. It's a quirky, balletic action game that has you running and gunning and pirouetting through a series of gangsters with the help of a talking banana named Pedro. Yeah. What the hell? Devolver yeah. Digital, man. I like the games that they publish. Like, this sounds really fun. <laughs> it looks crazy. Uh, yeah. We got Creature in the Well. It's a dungeon crawler that gets uh, has influence from pinball games. Really interesting. Huh. Blaster Master Zero Two. Pine, Bloodroots, Overland, Darkwood, Neocab, and Swim Sanity. Those all sound like titles to yeah. things. Yeah, they're all indie titles. They're all titles. <laughs> so. Indeed. Well, that's fucking cool. I like, especially from what I'm hearing, Steam really fucked up on some sort of algorithm when it came to uh, how indie games are shown, especially during sales, and people mm-hmm. are seeing a big drop. These did, that, That's why I was talking about like the conversation. They're like, hey, we don't like to reveal our numbers, but it's like, no, if we did, we would all know that something happened, like an event on Steam. Mm-hmm. I forget who had the thread, but I saw it on there. You can check out at Safe Room Show because I retweeted it. Okay. Um, and they're saying that... Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're giving preferential treatment to the AAA games on there and trying to put them at the forefront in response to Epic, but they're mm-hmm. not exactly changing their back end, especially how much they're charging, which okay. is at uh, 30% versus Epic's, I think, 12%. Yeah. Epic charges a very small percentage. Yeah. I mean, there's, they still have pretty new skin in the game. Right, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of features that just aren't there for Epic, mm-hmm. and a lot of fans, are, or I should say consumers, are just like, uh, this is not a great loader. But it's a good thing for the business. It, it's yeah. There's a disparity there, but I'm sure Epic is smart enough to begin to figure it out mm-hmm. because Steam cannot have the goddamn monopoly on the market anymore. No, I don't think they should because they've been kind of negligent with a lot of their curation and stuff they've been allowing on there. Yeah. Um, we never talked about the game Rape Day, but like... Like, like, how is that a question? They were just like, oh, this developer didn't set themselves up for success. No, why is this yeah. a conversation? They tried to put a fucking game called Rape Day on your platform. You say, no. That is it. That's we, the conversation. Just know. We don't want this game on our platform, but it's like, it's about their stupid policies. We're like, we're pretty hands off for curation. Yeah, we see that. We really see that, Steam. So that's why I think it's fucking great that the Nintendo Switch, mm-hmm. it can be a home for these indie games. And look, Nintendo is willing to take the goddamn time to do an indie showcase and say, take a look at all the cool shit that's coming out for mm-hmm. our system. I've never seen Steam do anything similar. Not really. I mean, with 
Or Nint- Valve, I should say. That's true. Yeah. With Nintendo having, oh, oh god, they have such a huge influx of indie games coming out every week on the Switch. Like they, I think they were boasting, yeah, we're gonna have ten to twenty new indie games on the Switch every week. Okay. Like this past August, it was, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, that's awesome. But also, there's no curation to that. It's gonna create this really overflated, inflated market on your own console, and it right. has. My problem with like this is like. All these cool games are going to come out, but how are they going to be showcased in the store? Because it doesn't seem like there's any rhyme or reason to it. True. There's there, there's some legwork that needs to happen there, too. Because yeah. I, whenever I log in and go, I'm like, I don't know what that... Like, I have to know what I'm looking for mm-hmm. to even buy it. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. But I feel like the Nindy Showcase is also, also a good push where it's like, it's not like that doesn't help to, like, spotlight. Like, hey, pay attention to this game. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to the fucking... What was it? Right... right parade i don't know anyway uh, <laughs> they all had names yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was like something ripe and red i know that there was a few <laughs> if i saw video i would know the but... only one that matters is swim sanity that's true <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no good job nintendo or the beginning of a good job follow through curation's important too it is steam fucked up with it Ooh. and epic you have a chance to begin it because you have you know you have like what 10 games on your fucking loader that's true Definitely take notes from what Sony did because they fucked up with their curation too. Yeah, everyone fucked up with their (laughs) (laughs) curation. All right. Now, number six is a big one on here, my friend, and we got to discuss it. You ready? I'm ready. Ready? ready, Oh, I'm fucking ready. Okay, man. Google has announced their game streaming service, the Stadia. Hold on. I got to Google this real quick. Uh, No, no, it's going to, nope, it's going to download it if you do that. (laughs) So, Google took to the stage at GDC this month and revealed what it considers to be the future of gaming. The cloud-based platform, Stadia. Not to be confused with Stadia, or Stevia, or Steve, or Stephen Buscemi. Or Stadia Arcadia. Sta- Ooh, that's an okay album. <laughs> it's a good album. It's a, yeah. It's an okay album. It's got Danny California on it. Ah, oh, that's a great that's song. That's a great song, though. yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Stadia will be able to stream on anything from your TV to your phone or Chromebook, and you can switch between devices on the fly. It's said to be able to stream at 60 frames per second and supports 4K. Given time, Google hopes to hit 120 frames per second in 8K resolution. What the fuck What's is 8K? 8K? What is 8K? It's better resolution than our lives. What the hell? Like, that's <laughs> better than what I can see. I can't see in 8K, man. It's gonna be like looking into a fucking another dimension. They're gonna have to fucking patch new brains in our skulls. <laughs> talking about 8K. Am I gonna, like, run at my TV screen real fast thinking... <laughs> Like it's a fucking uh, Looney Tunes cartoon? Like, nah, dude, it's going to be like the fucking one movie Ready Player One. You're going to become the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, whatever. Anyway, Stadia also has its own dedicated controller. It'll connect to Google servers, imagine that, via Wi-Fi, and will detect what device you're playing on. It comes with a capture button to save gameplay for later upload to YouTube, and the other is for Google Assistant. Say, for instance, you get caught in a game, you go like, Hey, Google, I'm bad at Dark Souls. And then it'll, you know, pop open a big old mother, middle finger and YouTube videos saying get good. There's also another feature with that where if you're watching, um, like, gameplay for something, like a gameplay trailer, you can basically, like, there's a button you can hit and it'll let you download the game and get into it right away. Yeah, that's, that's another feature that I saw <laughs> where it's just like, hey, share the literal point that you were at in the game. That's such a, mm-hmm. huh. Huh. Well, they were talking about this months ago, and we thought it was a pretty cool idea. What, Project Stream? Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't remember them saying that you could just share the game. Like, no, no. Like, the idea that you could be in a part of a game and say you're stuck, you mm-hmm. could basically hit that share button or whatever button it will be, and you'll hit that access point where you can basically see somebody else playing it, or you'll have right. like, a puzzle. Like, if you need a or solution, you, to or a you puzzle. can watch streamers like who are streaming like the yeah. game and shit. Yeah, it, it's a it's a lot, and it all seems like a, a push towards uh, we should have made what's that but 1985 should just be called like youtube Mm. (laughs) it's just youtube is what's gonna happen so in order to elicit trust from the gamers the konami code is printed on the underside of the controller google gets gaming they get it they get it hello fellow gamers i hear you like konami codes and blast processing (laughs) (laughs) and teraflops (laughs) have you heard the good word of up down left right left right left right be a start because here it is here uh, that's it (laughs) that's the entire thing right there okay so no exact lineup of games was announced but assassin's creed odyssey the test title from last year's project stream was shown Mm. id software wants to bring doom eternal to stadia just uh no word on when but veteran developer Jade Raymond arrived on the scene, revealing that Google has her as the head of their own first-party studio, Stadia Games. The studios uh, will also provide assistance to third-party devs in order to help them work with the tech. That's uh, that's, that's interesting, but not surprising. I mean, if you're going to have like a new game platform i don't want to say console platform because it's not necessarily a console it's a, it's a game it's a gamer service yeah for gamers. you yeah. have to have your own sort of independent like first party studio and you have to develop games for that platform so i think having an industry had like jade raymond in there who was previously of like ea and ubisoft she's a big name and she's a good person to kind of get projects started and going yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh she definitely did some executive producing work uh on games like assassin's creed one and two and mm-hmm. yeah she mm-hmm, i get it it makes sense apparently uh from what i heard was either they were going to uh coax developers into developing for stadia Mm -hmm. or just outright acquire them okay so i'm wondering if we're going to see shit in the future like oh stadia just acquired the name of studio uh uh double fine team bondi anyway (laughs) team bondi (laughs) (laughs) um google hasn't detailed their pricing model for the stadia although apparently they know what it is they just haven't announced it yet so we don't know if they'll go the subscription route like ps now or charge for games on the cart IGN spoke to Google VP Phil Harrison and asked the most important question on everybody's mind. How fast does your internet have to be to run Stadia? He said, roughly 30 megabits per second. That'll achieve 4K slash 60 frames per second streaming, and 1080p will require far less than that. He confirmed that the Stadia will automatically adjust your... Pay attention to this one. He confirmed that the Stadia will automatically adjust your stream quality based on your connection. If you have lower connection speeds, frame rate and resolution will lower accordingly. Just listen to that. That that is the shit that I do not like about streaming. Mm -hmm. You're going to lower my resolution. Because I don't have a consistent, awesome internet, a hundred percent of the time. All right, cool. Keep that. Keep that in mind because that might be one of the. This is the first coffin nail. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's going in the coffin, but they've created one. Yeah, it's sitting out there. I mean, I get that. Like streaming is supposed to be the future of gaming, all digital future streaming platforms. You have to make concessions here and there, especially if everybody's internet speeds aren't there. But, like, the thing I love about physical games and having them, like, just downloaded to my hard drive is that there's consistency in my resolution. Yep. Like, that's... I, I go to these titles because I want a consistent experience, and that that already is a problem for me. I wouldn't call it a nail in the coffin, 
but I'm saying I I didn't say it's a nail yeah. in the coffin. The first I'm saying, nail. <laughs> I'm saying it is a nail, yeah. and it's meant for a coffin, and it's sitting. <laughs> it's sitting in the mortuary on on the mortician's desk. And they're working on the headstone. It says, "Here lies Google." I don't know why a mortician would be making coffins, but he's an interesting fellow. It's all a family business. He's moonlighting. Yeah. <laughs> so here's what Phil says. Phil told IGN, "Quote." We know that our internet bandwidth requirements won't reach everybody day one. Yeah, duh. No, there's it won't. nothing I can promise that it will won't. change that. But we'll work hard to reduce the bandwidth required and increase the quality. Google Stadia is launching this summer. Daniel, <laughs> Kevin, throw down on this ship. The future of gaming is streaming. I think the future is far more complicated than that. And to do away with everything that's kind of uh, brought us to this juncture in the first place is probably a suspect point of view, Mm -hmm. you know? I think, for instance, Xbox is on the right path, especially if they launch a discless version of their Xbox One. They're still saying, hey, we're not going to make you stream every game. Mm-hmm. You're going to download them. And that means you have at least a consistent quality to your experience. Because you got to think about when it comes to streaming, we got lag. Mm-hmm. We got what about it? We're not just talking about games that are just single player. We're talking about there's going to be ostensibly online games mm-hmm. too so it's accounting for the fact that it's streaming the entire game and trying to make an online ecosystem where you engage with other players that is a lot for a connection as somebody who recently got his hands on uh playstation now when i played red dead like the first red dead back in um i don't remember when it was like october i thought it was a cool prospect but it was so laggy so buggy i had like textures environments popping around me and it was kind of an ugly experience but that doesn't mean that like the idea wasn't cool. I've heard nothing but good feedback about Project Stream, uh, sure. especially with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Sure, I heard I, it was impressive. Yeah, I heard it ran very well, um, very smooth. I granted, it's not going to be the same thing you get from like a console experience, like you know PlayStation or Xbox or PC even. But the fact that like there was high praise around it that had my interest. I just feel like we're being sold on. Well, we are. We're being sold an idea. Mm-hmm. And there's a few things as uh, as a fan of games and gaming, mm-hmm. a lifelong fan, that I need to know up front, which is what is it going to play? Mm-hmm. And I got kind of like a fuzzy idea of, well, we have garnered interest from names you know, but no promises for what's actually coming. We got Doom Eternal. <laughs> But I'm not going to get Doom Eternal on Stadia. I'm going to get it on my PS4. I'm going to get it on my PS4. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that that's already one where it's like, okay, I don't have an attractive prospect to this. Yeah. And also the fact that you're not telling me in explicit terms for something that's coming out in the summer, what your pricing model is. Am mm-hmm. I going to be buying these games individually or are you going to sell me a subscription? Are you going to do something where it's like, here's a free trial for this game and then mm-hmm. it's going to like pop up with a buy now button? Or are you going to give me, here? here's, they're an advertising company, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Google's an advertising sure. company that owns a search engine that advertises to you and tracks your data. Check this out. <laughs> These games, they might do something like, oh, here's uh, Doom Eternal for free, but we're going to pause like every 15 minutes for you to watch a YouTube ad. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine that future, Daniel? Because Google can. We had Phil Harrison walk up on stage and say, hey, I'm not really a gamer, but I'm going to announce this thing that we're calling the future of gaming. No. If we fucking, if we destroyed Microsoft all the way back in 2013 for how they messaged the fucking Xbox One, Stadia deserves the same treatment. It's true. We deserve to go, no, we need to pick apart what you're trying to say, what you want. You have a pretty idea. You have a pretty idea of everyone can play on any device they want. 
but the reality behind that needs to be baked out. We need to understand those numbers. Can I run 30 megabytes? Probably not. Mm-hmm. I've looked at our speeds and it's like, eh, sometimes it hits 20, sometimes it's 17. Mm-hmm. It depends on the time of day it's very and how many motherfuckers came home in our apartment yes. complex, you know? So that is the actual live feature that we're talking about. You know, we're, we just talked about it earlier. Anthem, for instance. Mm-hmm. All of their problems didn't arise until they hit the scope of millions of players. Mm-hmm. Again, you're selling an idea with controlled circumstances and you had one, one stream test. To say, look, it works. But is it a fucking ready product? You know? Where are you at? Where are you at? I've got a lot of thoughts on it. I'm, I'm kind of with you there. They're selling us on the idea of something with a lot of what ifs, what is this. We don't know price. We don't know if it's going to be like a little box that we have to purchase. Um, we don't know if it's going to be a subscription service. We don't know if we're going to have to buy the games as they come out. I, um, I think it's going to be a little bit of everything. There's going to be some sort of hub device, whether it is like a little streaming box. No, no, they said no stream box. No, there's no there's no physical box. If only if you're trying to do it with your TV, it would be through Chromecast, which is like, like through apps thing. and stuff. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's actually the controller that speaks to your devices. Okay. So then my question is, how much is this controller going to be? That's not a $60 controller. No, it's probably a lot. It's got to be a lot. It's got to be a lot. Um, So, okay. You're selling us on the idea of maybe a $100 to $200 controller, right? And this (laughs) subscription service, you got to look at something like PS Now, which is $100 a year. This is going to at least be $100 a year. If you want to be on the cutting edge of tech and offer something that I can stream on my phone, my TV, my web browser, anywhere, on my cat, it's going to come at a cost. This cat? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So there's there's a lot of questions about that. My big thing is okay, are there going to be data caps? Am I only going to be Bingo. allowed to like stream X amount of games and game time per month before you say ah ah ah? You have to upgrade and pay more. Or your ISP is telling you that where it's like yeah, yeah we didn't account for you fucking playing Red Dead on on your stream device. Mm-hmm. We're used to you downloading porn and you're pretty manageable with mm-hmm. that. It's a lot. But you're manageable. Yeah. What is this video game shit that you're doing to us? So, I mean, it, it it's a cool idea, but it's just, like, there's so many little parts that, like, it could go wrong, you know? We don't have good internet, and not a lot of people do. You know, there's parts in Midwestern America where the internet's shit. There are countries where the internet sucks. So it's going to be very inconsistent, and I think the most luxury experiences are going to come to the people who can mm-hmm. dish out the most for it. And it's not the first time that we've seen uh, a streaming experience or somebody say or tout that ga- the future of gaming is streaming. Mm-hmm. We've seen companies like OnLive and Ouya try it. Now I get, here's the difference though. Google probably does have the resources no, they do. to really get further with this concept, but I feel like if we're not figuring out the core basics of like, hey, uh, like you're saying, data caps or what a consistent online connect. Not everybody has Google Fiber, mm-hmm. and they're not giving it out no. to every fucking town in America. You know, and what 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 are we really talking about when we say we're allowing you to stream games anytime, anywhere? We're talking about man, this shit's fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool prospect. Don't get me wrong; like the, a lot of stuff they're talking about is exciting, and I got hyped for it. But when I look at companies like Sony and Xbox, who have been doing this thing where they're they're building first party exclusives and then also bridging the gap from this gen to next gen to the next gen. Sure. Um, Xbox is already by and large ahead in the game because they're in the console space; they've been doing it and. Xbox Live, Games Pass, they already have started sewing that bed and seeing how that's supposed to work. This is going to be Google's first attempt at it. It's going to be a long time before they get it right and where users and players want it. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
people are like, okay, next gen is going to be the the gen for streaming. Everything's going to go digital. It's no physical games. I think we're maybe like 10 years away from that, really. Wow. I really do. No, because I think next gen is still going to be, there's going to be an emphasis on physical games and hardware, but like we're going to see that mid-generation thing where it's like, okay, we're going discless, we're moving away from that. And then like gen six, like PS6 or I don't know, Xbox 2.72, whatever that's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, bullshit name. There's going to be more of an emphasis on stream. Like Stadia isn't a bullshit name. Yeah. I'm going to say it. Stadia is a stupid fucking name. I like it. I don't like it at all. I think all. it's a cool name. I don't, it doesn't speak video games to me at all. It honestly, it really does seem like a product that's meant to help like your bidet mm-hmm. or, okay. <laughs> or fucking going in your fridge. Like, oh, my Stadia filter. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what it says to me. I don't know why but, Google thought that this was the winner. <laughs> I think out of the gate, though, this isn't going to have everybody's money. It's going to speak to, I think, like tech junkies, people who can afford it. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of reticence from people like us who are really into their console gaming and their hardware. And that's it right there. The Your lowest rate of adoption will be the people that play games the most. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting. That's topsy-turvy, but mm-hmm. it, it almost speaks to, like, I think people are, who don't understand, like, hey, physical media versus digital media and licenses uh, going up. Like, you don't own these streaming games. You really don't mm-hmm. own these games now. There is not a copied version of it mm-hmm. on your system. I'm pointing at your systems you're pointing at, you're pointing at my vinyls really I'm pointing but. at your vinyl there's not a copy of the game like a vinyl yeah. you know so that, that's something to think about where i think maybe a, a consumer that does engage with phone games and doesn't like think about it that hard mm-hmm. they're gonna adopt and be like what is this oh i can play assassin's creed on yeah. my fucking on my nexus okay what, blah, 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 i think it's know? like a really attractive prospect to some people in my family like i don't know my uncle or i have a cousin David would betray us i have yeah <laughs> i have a cousin michael he's really into being like at the forefront of technology and all that sort of like that the killer apps and i feel like that'll really speak to him right but for somebody who's i don't know been really inundated of of like physical media and streaming i feel like it's gonna be it's gonna be a slower roll for people like me i and i I know you we had a conversation off air a few days ago we were like well everything's going streaming you're like you don't own movies anymore like we've netflix has been a a household feature since what like 2009 2010 at this point Mm -hmm. and how many of those movies do you own don't look at my dvd collection because there's overlap there granted that was inherited too but like for the for the most part people don't own movies anymore so i can't remember the last time i actually bought a physical movie which is upsetting. And that wasn't a Blu-ray? And also confused. No, I mean like a Blu-ray. Oh, okay. I don't remember the last time I bought a physical Blu-ray. Mm. Uh, and Which is upsetting because you buy all these Spider-Man movies that I should own. Yeah. <laughs> I should. And the, like the answer is we both have two copies. Well, I, my, my copy is special. <laughs> yeah. Thor signed all of them. <laughs> anyway. But, uh, you know, for me, I'm in wait and see mode. And, yeah. Because I, I do think that physical media is not our future. I do think that, mm-hmm. but it's, what are we talking about when I say that? I like Xbox's way of onboarding you, especially with this discless Xbox that's mm-hmm. supposed to come out this year, that you're going to download these games and they're going to be on your hard drive, but you don't have to worry about disc or any physical media. And mm-hmm. there you go. And that's going to be a way to kind of onboard people to that concept of what the future is going to look like. Cause I think that's what it is. You're going to have both streaming options and download to your hard drive options. But to just say like, let's throw away all of that. No onboarding point. It's just stream, stream, stream. I- I'm not going to adopt that right away. I'm in wait and see mode. Yeah. I want to see the direction that this industry goes in, but I do, the writing on the wall is kind of there where I'm looking at 
your collection of PS4 games, mm-hmm. uh, this stack won't exist in the future because it's going to be a lot like keeping a stack of VHSs, mm-hmm. you know? Like, that's how we're going to perceive it, especially the new generations, like the kids that are growing mm-hmm. up with iPads at five years old and learning basic code yeah. by making their own Flappy Bird uh, games. That, true. That's something that's real, by the way. I, yeah. I've, I've seen the, the coding uh, training for kids and they use Flappy Bird as a live example. That's kind of cool. It's really cool, yeah. actually. They're going to be the ones to be like, huh, a disc? <laughs> I mean, I think the sort of erasure of physical media, it's eventual. I don't think it's imminent and immediate. I think it, like, I, I still think it's going to be like five to ten years before I am not housing this awesome jewel case collection of PS4 games, you know? I, I will bet closer to five. You think closer to five? Closer to five. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I think this might be like kind of a hobby grade kind of let me collect physical Mm -hmm. physical video games at a certain point we're Mm -hmm. gonna see it a lot less for sure but when it comes to stadia i again i think we're two years out from like it being even close to like Mm -hmm. a really good product for consumers well it's gonna be crazy too because they're gonna be a lot of early adopters with it and i don't think that's gonna be us necessarily a lot of early bitching a lot of early bitching and we're just gonna be kind of standing on the sidelines like just waiting and seeing hearing feedback and seeing what's going on with it and i think for me until they get that first party studio up and running and actually have exclusives that they can boot that i can't get anywhere else then i maybe start looking at it because like Mm. there's no attractive prospect for me at the moment it's awesome tech if i can handle it if i have you know the the bandwidth for it. yeah exactly and then it's awesome tech if you live on one of the coasts exactly and we, do, we live on the tech coast. Right. But even not our internet sucks out here. Exactly. And then my thing is somebody who likes to stream games, is it going to be the PS Now problem where I can only like download stream a game, but I can't out stream it like on Twitch? Because like, that was the thing with PS Now where you can stream games from the service, but you, you can't, can't broadcast You can't broadcast. Yeah, I think that's uh, a limitation of the actual hardware okay. more so than like, I, I don't know. Because if they're saying that, hey, you a press of a button, YouTube videos will show up and live streams and such, mm-hmm. that tells me that like they might have something a little more figured out than mm-hmm. uh, Sony who didn't intend for like PS Now to be like on the yeah. platform okay. within the first few years of its life cycle of the PS4. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, maybe yeah. they'll have like s- new bells and whistles with ps now on the ps5 maybe it'll be a little more user-friendly feature complete maybe 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 they'll have like a response to this maybe that's why you know that's that's the thing too i feel like another company might get it more right than google Mm -hmm. google's the one going like oh we're gonna take over and this is the future and it's like well you don't have enough skin in the game you don't have the distribution deal i'm sorry you don't have the contracts in place with Mm -hmm. third parties you're not there yet to really support your vision they get tech, but I don't think they get video games. Yes. And they have to corral on these big heads in the industry to kind of get their teeth sharp with it. And, like, that's – it's smart. You know, if you don't know something, hire people who know it for you, you know? Sure. That's probably the smartest thing that I heard out of this entire presentation <clears throat> from GDC that Jade Raymond's involved in some way. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. That's all you got <laughs> so far. We will see – I am going to be very interested to hear, especially people that do adopt early, where they're at with it, what mm-hmm. they like about it, what they don't, what selection is available is going to be an important one mm-hmm. for me. So that's where I'm at. We're going to hear more about it this summer. Hopefully price points. Hopefully, I don't know. Give us a better controller. Give us a, Oh, yeah. That I, I'm not a huge fan of that uh, Google Well, controller. on PC, you could use your own, like, whatever wired controller. But when it comes to, like, uh, trying to do it on your TV and Chromecast and shit, nah. Mm-hmm. You got to use that. Stadia! but i mean it's it's kind of cool to think that i could maybe one day play like doom on my phone yeah it's neat yeah it's gonna be neat yeah 
I mean, there were days where my phone couldn't even fully run YouTube, like, out of an app, so... That's true. The future, man. You might need a newer newer phone. I mean, I'm not rocking the flip phone anymore. I still got my iPhone 6, so... Imagine if they could get it, like, we got it on a flip phone. (laughs) People are playing The Witcher 3. Oh, my God. (laughs) That, that for for some reason, that's my barometer for any... (laughs) The Witcher 3? It's like, if you could make it play The Witcher 3, you're good. You're good. (laughs) You're good, homie. (laughs) All right, Daniel. We'll see what Google has for us in the future, or if this is the end of it all. I don't trust a company that collects our data in uh, to that degree mm-hmm. to handle video games. I'm sorry, it's not like Facebook is making a a game client. Well, they do I mean, have, they have yeah. They do have broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> the marketplace speaks, <laughs> and it screams. Daniel I mean, screams. <laughs> uh, what's that one game everybody likes? Plantville. Plantville. Farmville. Farmville. Yeah, people love Farmville. Oh man, we should make Plantville. Big old fuck you. It's the same fucking thing. Exactly. Yeah. Copy and paste, call it Farmville. Look at that. We are gonna be rich. We're fucking trailblazers. I know. Daniel, let's get into some video let's... games that we have in our hands and are tangible. Yeah, that I'll have to stream, maybe. So as we mentioned earlier in the episode, I finally got you to play Ninja Theory's DMC Devil May Cry, mm. which I to this day, and probably why we don't have a bigger following, often say <laughs> is the best Devil May Cry game of all time. What do you think of it? I am seven missions in so far. I've probably spent like three to four hours with it. Not as much time as I would have liked to because I've just been in and out with gaming this week. But I am having a fucking blast with it. Really? Yeah, I am, like I said before, as somebody who's coming in at this this entry, which is kind of like a reboot of the series, mm-hmm. I don't have to go in knowing who Dante is. I don't have to go in knowing who Virgil is because this game builds a history between them that is new for newcomers like me. From the immediate get-go, I like the style. I like the humor. It's all very tongue-in-cheek. You get fucking Dante, who's like this devil-may-care, fuck-all protagonist. Mm-hmm. And he's got wit. He's got style. Um, they show him fucking prostitutes and just, like, killing demons. And you kind of get the the tone for who he is immediately. And that kind of maintains throughout it. Like, you have an opening sequence with this dude where he's in his trailer and he gets kind of chased down by, like, this demon hunter thing. And he's naked. Yeah. He's, he's buck-ass naked yeah, in yeah. this opening cutscene. You're flying through your trailer, you're putting clothes on, and you're just in there. You're in it, you're fighting demons. And it's great. I love that it throws you into the game, like, immediately. It's everything I like from um, kind of old-school games, like PS3 era, like Hack and Slash, sort of, like, adventure platformers where it's a collect-a-thon, you have to find stuff within the levels. There's backtracking once you get abilities that are at your disposal. And it's really, really neat. I think it does a really great job at giving you a core set of abilities that you can upgrade and work through and master, and helping you just learn the environments with them. Yeah, I. what's interesting about, like, his, his, uh, his fuckless attitude... Yeah. You you start with Dante as being fuckless, and there is a character evolution that occurs where he starts giving a shit about the world around him, mm-hmm. and uh, you find that through Cat, who is introduced very early yeah. on as a as a supporting character that kind of informs him that yeah, there's two worlds that this is what you've been struggling with forever. Mm-hmm. There's the demon world, and then there's reality or the human world, and it's completely informed by the demon world they live style, and that's kind of it's the all cool, subliminal. That's kind of the coolest dichotomy where you right. have him like grounded in the real world but then he goes back and forth between reality and limbo and you get these sort of like interesting environments that are recontextualized from the real world with that sort of subversion and all like the subliminal messaging and all this other shit i'm like wow this is really like it's not 
heavy handed, but it is on the nose because yeah. that's like the game style and that's like what it wants to kind of yeah. put forth. Like, and I really, I like it. it. It creates like an interesting setting and sort of like, like satire almost about it. Did you expect it to be as grounded? Cause like, I think you, 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 when you hear Devil May Cry, you're thinking of the whole series and think of like the cheesiness that you may mm-hmm. have seen from it. Are you finding this game to be as cheesy as you thought it would be? Um, it's got some cheese to it, but yeah. it's, it's intentional, you know, right. it's not corny in the way that like some of the stuff in RE2 is or some of the stuff that like. Like, um, I've seen from DMC five, you know, yeah. there's no crazy dance numbers with Dante, yeah. but the, the cheese is there because that's, that's the character. And it's a lot of tongue in cheek nods to mm. the history of the character. Like there's a scene where he sees himself in a silver wig and he's like, not in a million years. And it's like, yeah, this game makes fun of its lineage in a way that's smart. And I think that's kind of the difference. So from, as an outsider walking in, <clears throat> why do you think that, devil may cry proper fans dislike this game i don't know i mean you told me that it was kind of a walk away from the sort of anime plot sort of over the top stuff the sort of Mm -hmm. history that people have with it and i don't know people like what they like they don't like new things (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the thing like it's But, but isn't that the weird thing? Like, I, I remember talking about um, Robert Zemeckis, who mm-hmm. directed the Back to the Future movies, said this where when he was making part two and part three, he says, what I've realized about people is that <laughs> they don't want something completely new. People like the same thing, but different. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> true. It's very, very true. This um, game was different. It's very different, and I, I think it lands with me because the gameplay is really, really solid, and the alternation between, like, your um, your angel attacks and your demon axe mm-hmm. and your ebony and ivory guns and your grappling, like, it's so seamless, and the game, like, builds those sets with you in a way that makes sense and helps you master it. Like, I don't know, I felt kind of dumb with it in the beginning because it throws a lot of, like, combo sets and, like moves at you but like you get a handle on it eventually and Mm -hmm. then you feel great you go from getting like d ranks to triple s's and you're like holy shit i am the devil killer here yeah (laughs) you know my devil trigger's ready and it feels awesome it's fucking good game but like i say it all the time uh, we were talking about devil may cry 5 last week and how it's kind of very linear there's not too much in terms of exploration no there isn't which is really heartbreaking yeah because it seems like kind of a I don't know. It seems like a signature of the series to have that kind of like, let me go back and forth. And as I unlock more abilities, I can open up different areas at Metroidvania mm-hmm. uh, perspective. And this one is literally just corridor after corridor of fights, Yeah, which is fine, but not exactly what I'm used to from Devil May Cry. And DMC had that good mix, I yeah, think. It threw me for a loop because I thought at the end of each mission, I was going to have a major boss fight. But it's like, no, they kind of like pace them very well. Mm-hmm. And there is more of an emphasis on exploration i think it's really cool because like you find these golden keys you find these demon souls or whatever they are little like demon pods that you use for like upgrades and stuff but like the lost souls the lost souls yeah yeah and but the golden keys you find these little like secret challenge rooms Mm -hmm. that you get to basically hone your skills and like they're little just side rooms that are just really cool and they kind of pad the experience out in ways that don't feel like meaningless you know just it feels well worth my time to go off the beaten path and explore a little bit more and you know see all there is in a level yeah and yeah, go ahead. The boss fights that you get to are cool. They're very cool. Like the first one with the fucking demon hunter is awesome. And then you saw me do the succubus one. Yep. Where that is just like, oh my God, the humor is in your face. The dialogue is like <laughs> over the top and crazy, but it just, it fits and it landed with me. People <laughs> always use that scene as an example of how bad the game is. And I'm just like, no, this shows me how brilliant this game is. I mean, there's a, a back and forth with Dante and the succubus that's, I guess, behind the production of like, what, the slurm cola that's like the subversive mind controlling. Right, that's controlling everybody. <laughs> um, where uh, the demon's like, 
fuck you. And Dante's like, no, fuck you. And then Demon's like, no, fuck you. And it's like fuck this stupid yeah! And like fucking vomiting everywhere. Like, it's just like, this is amazing. Yeah. I would want to watch this in a movie. I would be chuckling. Mm-hmm. And I love that Dante, he is a badass, but he's an unrefined badass. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gets, he's kind of loosey-goosey versus like the whole, like every move I do is perfect from like DM, like the old Double yeah. Rise. And, but like he's, when something huge is happening, it's literally just a visual of like a demon crashing right in front of him and he's just standing in place staring. Yeah. Like unimpressed. I love that. It's not just him saying, I am a badass. He shows you mm-hmm. he's a fucking badass. I love that game. I want you to finish that game. Uh, no, I, de- I definitely will. And I. I guess so it's what the definitive edition, so it comes with all Virgil side stuff and which all these other great, DLC, which isn't as great, but it's still it's still interesting shit to play. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I like it a lot so far. I like uh, Dante and Virgil's uh, interplay. I like the fact that there's actually like a really cool backstory for them both that yes. kind of builds this interesting narrative that I didn't think was there. I thought the series was just stupid set pieces and over the top drama, but it's like it is. Well, except for this game, but like there feels like there's something really heartfelt there. And I honestly like I find myself like just like watching and like I'm really intrigued. I don't know. It is the only engaging story in this entire. You listen to that. (laughs) Listen to that. It is the only engaging story in the entire franchise. And everybody hated this game, said they didn't want it. Said they wanted to go back and DMC5 is the perfect, oh, it's a callback. No, DMC5 has like another fuckless, I don't give a shit about this story, Mm -hmm. like narrative. I don't give a fuck about this story narrative Mm -hmm. (laughs) in in, in colons. Yeah. And it just, I don't know. It's, that flavor is not for me as much as I enjoy the gameplay of Devil May Cry. Mm -hmm. I feel like DMC is the one that hit it where it was like, here's a combination of an interesting story and really interesting combat. Mm-hmm. I want you to beat the game. Yeah, combat and traversal, I'll give it that. Because it does remind me of like games like Castlevania Lords of Shadow or mm-hmm. even like God of War where it's like you really do want to go out of your way to explore because the abilities you get for exploration, like your, I forget, the angel grappling hook. and then the, the angel scythe and all the that. The angel yeah. scythe and then the demon axe. It's like you get really handy at using them both like seamlessly together because mm-hmm. you have to. You yeah. just have to. Um, I like it. And if anything, it's really made me want a Constantine game. That whole, oh like, God. devils hiding in plain view sort of deal, yeah. like, subversion tactics, yeah. angels on earth. Like, it just, it wanted me, I, it makes me want, like, a modern Constantine game. I know there was one on PC it was on PS- forever ago. It was on PS2 or some shit. It was, and I know it was, it was awful. really bad, yeah. but, like, this is my call to arms. Let's make a good one. Let's make a modern Come on, one. man. Let's go back, and we need Keanu Reeves <laughs> to reprise his role. And have him looking like John Wick with the long hair. Mm. Have the long hair in there, you know what I'm saying? Do it. That's really the, the money shot. <laughs> Daniel, we got to move on. We got we got two more games on the docket to talk about. One game that we've both played and one game that only I have played, but you decided to buy. Well, let's talk about that one first. Uh, the Division 2. Always be dividing. Always be dividing. I, I was going to wait on it for a little bit, but I couldn't feel left out anymore. No. I wanted to play The Division. So what I did, guys, and I haven't beaten this game yet, but I traded in Red Dead Redemption 2 <laughs> and I got a pre-owned copy of The Division for 28 bucks. And now I can finally join the fire squad. And get Fantastic. In there. Well, see, that's the thing. I that's how I got <laughs> Daniel in. I was I, I appeal to his fast and furious uh, inner side. Yeah. With family. the family <laughs> has been playing the division two. I got Chelsea. I got Dave guy, but no Daniel. Mm-hmm. It's four. It's a squad of four. Daniel, we need our fourth, just like we needed a fourth in Anthem. To date, we have not all played. 
both games <laughs> together. Well, we're working on figuring out like our separate scheduling, how to make it all work. I've never but... played Anthem with you, and I've never played Division 2 with you. Well, I just got the Division 2. I, I know. Anthem is more of like a, an egregious crime at this point. Like, why haven't we played it together? Yeah. But yeah, that you asked me like so last sad. night at like 11, you're like, do you want to, I kind of want to play Anthem. Do you want to play? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of want to go to bed. Yeah. That's Because I, I was feeling kind of icky. I know. Yeah. Well, we, we had a big old omelet yesterday. Yeah. Well, talk to me about the Division 2 okay. so far. Division 2 builds on everything that Part 1 did and uh, just makes it a little bit better. Hmm. I won't say extremely better. Like, it's just... A, it started with a solid core, but what Division 2 is really trying to do is fill in all those moments where you thought to yourself, where it's like, oh, I wish there was something to do over here, or oh, I kind of wish there was a mission based around that. There is. There's sporadic events in the map. There's uh, side quests galore. There's main missions. It doesn't, it, it seems like a big game, and it seems like there's a lot to do. And you're in DC this this time around, or okay. DC Dividers, and it's fucking cool. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of like, why DC? That sounds boring. Why can't it be Miami? Or like some I'm, shit. I'm sorry. DC is one of the most interesting places yeah. in the US. It's got a lot of cool settings and there, I don't know. I love DC. Well, you know, politics bores the game. That's why they want it out of their game. So the moment that you say anything about DC, they just fucking black out on you. Of course. <laughs> but no, it's a cool environment. And it's what, what really strikes me about walking around in this kind of last of us-y, overgrown plants and just cars strewn about environment is that there's so many areas that you can just investigate you can walk into a building it's not just like oh here's a here's a sticker that tells you like you know with a dumb reflection that tells you mm -hmm. you can't go into a building no it's open and there's shit to loot in there. When I heard you can go inside like the Air and Space Museum, I was like, holy yeah. shit, I'm sold. Yeah, it's so <laughs> cool. It's really cool environment and it's all seamless. Mm. Like you load into the game and then everything's just there for you. And you can walk around alone and you can actually play the game single player for a while and mm -hmm. be fine. But then there's like certain missions where it's like, this is not a good idea. I am dying a lot, a lot, a <laughs> That's lot. That's going to be lot. me. Yeah, it's serious about its cover shooting. But of course seamless i love division 2's uh cover to cover combat where you just hold x like you point at, at a little barricade that you want to be behind hold x and your guys whizzing over there they had that in part one yeah. but it just feels snappier here for some reason that's one of the things i always praise about the first one is that the cover system and the cover shooting was solid as fuck oh solid as fuck dude. you you ride it on me for liking red dead 2's cover system but i hate like, that one this is actually like a a modern take on what cover That's why I hate that be. one. Yeah. This one's really good. Yeah. Um, some of the guns are like, you know, I'm not getting quite the feedback that I want from them. They don't feel mm -hmm. as good as another gun. Like some of them, uh, I guess cause it's early days yet. So a lot of their spread fire is just like, Oh shit, it's going into the air when mm -hmm. I'm like aiming. But when you get better and better guns, you're just like, Ooh, mama, like I'm rocking this sniper rifle right now. It's like an M1 Garand or some shit. That doesn't sound right. That sounds like world war two, sure. but it's an M1 something. <laughs> um, and I have a scope on it and it feels like. Butter. That was going to be my question. Do you get better sights, scopes, and grips for your gun to kind of handle stats like that? Like... You get the modem, yeah. Okay, cool. And that's little quality of life features there, too, where if you mod, uh, put some mods in a weapon because you have a set amount of mods that you build, mm -hmm. if you decide to just delete that weapon, your mods are out automatically de-equipped and back in your inventory. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Like, <laughs> doing the legwork division for me. Yeah. There's a lot of little menu quality of life things. Because, like, there's a lot, of, a lot of shit that you have to worry about. Like, your knee pads and your fucking elbow pads and what hat you're going to wear and all this <laughs> shit. Like, what gives me what stats? And the game does a good job of telling you, this is better than all three items in your inventory. You can just junk these with one button. Like, 
junk, 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 and then hold to deconstruct, give you some fucking uh, equipment to craft some better nice. shit. Awesome. And then, like I said earlier in the podcast, you can just press start at any time and switch out your loadout on the fly. It's beautiful. But it's live, so you'll probably get shot at while all it's happening. <laughs> if you're in a firefight, yeah, you're going you're gonna to run into some problems, but hey, at least you switch that hat. Yeah. <laughs> Die in style. Die in style is what I say. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's really good, and I so far I've gone online with you know uh, Chelsea and Dave, mm-hmm. and that was a lot of fun, if a little aimless, because we were just like, what do we really want to do? Yeah. And it's like, well, there's always something to do. Like just run in a direction, and then you're in this fucking firefight. You're like, mm-hmm. what? What? Oh shit, we gotta we gotta take down this broadcast. This enemy brought cool. <laughs> and yeah. I have my uh, my drone as my best friend because you get a bunch of like little skill perks and mm. all that that you launch with uh, the shoulder buttons. And I have uh, a drone that from just just like in the first one, he shoots people for you and you can aim them at certain enemies. Mm-hmm. His name is Drony Downs. Drony Downs. Because he's a drone always getting those downs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that guy. Robert Drony Jr. Robert Drony Jr. Downs. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then you got like a ping where you can kind of like see what enemies are around you. Okay. Like a little sonar like really quickly and paint them uh, on oh, nice. the map, which is fucking nice. It's useful, cool shit. I always like that about the first one too, like where you had like the skill trees that you can build up and like the little mm-hmm. um ancillary abilities like turrets that you can throw down that yep. just kind of help you mow down enemies yeah no that shit is great the thing about this game is that i i feel like the tom clancy name is a disservice to the division mm-hmm. like when you put the tom clancy label on a game i just think to myself like oh it's gonna be like a military fucking game or a stealth game and like ah, i'm bored already this game's not like that man it's a post-apocalyptic survival shooter Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a post-apocalyptic survival shooter that's fucking fun, co-op, seamless, and it's a looting shooter. Okay, I haven't even gone into the dark zones in this game yet, and I've had a ton of fun. I hear there are multiple dark zones too, which is oh, really, really yeah, awesome. They're, they're surrounding the map. The dark zones, if you guys don't know, it's like little PvP areas that you can go in. Level doesn't really matter so much as gear does, mm-hmm. and you get into just firefights with people, and you can basically mark people as like enemies, and you can get people to come in and like basically fire down these people with you and steal their loot and yeah you could befriend people that could betray you on a drop of a hat yeah it's crazy cool but you get like little specific missions within those zones right 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 like uh getting getting guns out of there essentially Mm -hmm. i think there's like uh you have to wait for a helicopter while you're surviving like waves and stuff together it's cool it's really cool the thing that you said that really speaks to me and that's what i liked about the first one Mm -hmm. post-apocalyptic loot and shooter this game kind of takes the torch of the first game and moves it forward. Yep. Where like the big premise of the first one where there was this dollar flu that happened that basically leveled dollar flu, yeah. all of society. And it happened around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching you play this time, I was like, oh, is it Christmas in this game too? Nope, and you're like, no, it's just society is frozen in the time where society collapsed. Yep. And I think that sort of environmental and contextual storytelling is really fascinating. It does a really amazing <clears throat> job of that. It, it's not just boring gray buildings that are meant to, for the, be the backdrop to firefights. Mm-hmm. It has a story unto itself and you can explore and... There's a lot of lateral movement in this game where you can climb stuff, you can go mm. up scaffoldings, you can use uh, zip lines and stuff. It's cool. Like, it's a fun fucking game. Again, don't let the whole, like, premise of, like, oh, it's just a military shooter, like, you know, scare you away mm. from it. It is amazing if you haven't jumped into Division. Division is, like, one of the coolest experiences uh, in co-op, loot, 
and shooting. I mean, that was my barrier of entry with the first one where I was like, oh, I don't like military shooters. I've yeah. never read a Tom Clancy book. I don't care for that stuff. And people are like, no, you got to play it. It's the truth. And it's it, the truth. It was one of the best fucking uh, gameplay experiences of, of 2016 for me where yep. I was like, that game got an honorable mention on my fucking game of the year list. No. I still talk about it. And people slept on it for no reason. Yeah. Th- this is the game, man. <laughs> like, and I'll... They are different games fundamentally, sure. but I will tell you, Division 2 is probably money better spent than on Anthem. Sure. That's it. It's a better feature complete game out of the box. Yep. And I hear within the first year, there's a lot of free patches and DLC coming, yep. which is awesome. Yep. Like, there's so much content and so much support, like, right out of the gate. You know? Yeah. I, I think uh, developers for uh, uh, Games as a Service are realizing, uh, and even Anthem is having a free content this year, mm-hmm. like, for story. Uh, they don't want to segment their audience. I think Destiny was the most egregious example of that, where it's like every new season pass or every content drop just totally divided your audience because some people weren't going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe some people were waiting for it to be collected. Or mm-hmm. maybe people were... Like, just, just like it's too many variables yeah. versus just, here, have it all. Everyone can engage with it and play it. There you go. I mean, we got into Destiny 2 pretty hard, but we never engaged with Forsaken. So nope. that's a whole other game experience that people are having that we won't know about unless we drop the money on it. I could tell you I would 100% have downloaded Forsaken if it was a free update yeah. to Destiny 2. I understand that uh, time and resources went into it, and therefore that's why they put a dollar sign on it, because it's a lot of extra content. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, well, the, the reality is you will segment your audience that cannot uh, get through your paywall. That's it. Fair that's enough. It. So Division 2 is fucking awesome. You should play it. I'm Fuck. excited to get into it. I can't wait to play with you and the DC Dividers. Oh, yeah. But you want to know something that's awesome? That yes. we're both playing. Yeah. We got into Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Sekiro, my hero. So you got into it first. Yes. Um, give me some high level thoughts on it. So where do I begin with this? Um, Just high an, level. It's immaculate. It's an immaculate game. It has some tenants from Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Much more on the side of Bloodborne because it's about aggression and speed. Yes. But it takes it to a different degree. Pairing is a huge thing in this game. Actually using your block and finding opportunities in a fight is the game. Is the meta. Mm-hmm. It, well, it's not even a meta. It is it's the game. game yeah. It is the game. The game is the game is the game. Yeah. So you have to be very cognizant of that where aggression gets paid off more so in certain circumstances. But other circumstances, it makes more sense to watch your enemy and wait for them to actually strike yeah. so you can deliver a counterattack at the right instance. Because it's all based off of your critical kills. Mm-hmm. And those critical kills are some of the most gratifying (laughs) feelings and moments I've ever had in a video game, Daniel. Dude, when you break somebody's fucking posture and, like, just deliver a killing blow where you stab them in the neck and they're just geysering and gushing blood, you're like, holy shit, I feel awesome. That's one of those things where (laughs) it feels amazing in the first hour of the game as it does at hour, like, 10 or 15. It is great. And... There's a lot more momentum. First of all, like, so here's the thing that you need to break from your mind is that it's not really stat-based. It's not an RPG. So it's not Dark Souls-esque. You play as one character named Wolf. Mm-hmm. And you use... His whole thing is that he has a prosthetic limb that allows him to uh, kind of uh, zip... Line, well, what would you call it? Like hook shot around the environment yeah. and just grapple to uh, different areas. So you can actually jump in this game. Which is like the coolest thing I never knew I wanted from a Soulsborne right. game. Like it changed the whole gameplay field for me with this. Because Dark Souls is all about just jumping off of a... Well, not even jumping. Like, falling. falling. And like falling maybe landing a, a hit. You're very yeah. grounded in those worlds and like it kind yeah. of adds a layer of difficulty whereas like now you can jump at enemies, you can swing, you can grapple away mid-fight, mm-hmm. you can grapple two enemies. It's it, awesome. And it opens up like new 
new opportunities to be kind of freeform with mm -hmm. how you approach situations where it's like the problem statement is an area filled with 10 enemies and how you solve it is I'm going like view every fight as a puzzle. Mm -hmm. Who do I pick out first? Who is going to cause me more of a problem? The guy with the fucking torch that can uh, burn me very badly, mm -hmm. which you actually go into a damage status where it's like I'm on fire. Yeah. <laughs> or the archer who can get me from anywhere in the map. Do I go for him first? But if I do a stealth strike on this guy, he's actually pretty tough in combat because his guard is always up. Fuck, what mm -hmm. do I do? And you find those lines. You find that kind of like, here's my pathway, and you get murderous with it. Yeah, there's such a strategy that you have to really commit to mm -hmm. to make your experience that easy. Because I don't know, like all the other games before, like Bloodborne, like Dark Souls, it's tough. And if you allow yourself to get in a situation with more than one enemy at a time sometimes, you might not come out. Yeah, you might get murdered. <laughs> and now, put it in your head: this isn't just a like a feudal Japan version of Dark Souls. It has its own play feel to mm -hmm. it. It's closer to um, Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, like the 3D Ninja Gaidens than I would say any Dark Souls game because you it's about that speed and foot like your foot placement and mm -hmm. all that. And I just wanted to describe to you that there are kind of sub boss fights and main boss fights, and I have never had more like honestly my adrenaline was fucking spiking in these fights and when i finally got through and got better and better going at these fights oh my god let me tell you a story talk to me about is it a general is it an ogre it was a general okay but this general was on horseback oh whoa and you have this giant field littered with bodies where he's chasing you down and the first few times that i encountered him instant kills essentially where it's just like i don't know what to do I'm just a man with a sword and this guy has a fucking like lance mm -hmm. and he is fucking owning me. And then something happens, Daniel. You get a little bit better each time mm -hmm. you start actually studying what he does. And then you can kind of predict like, oh, I should do this when he does this. And then it becomes this ebb and flow of like, you're suddenly doing a ballet. You both mm -hmm. have a part to play in this dance and you need to react this way when he does this. Mm -hmm. He does this. That's your cue to do this. And suddenly... It goes from, oh, I die when I get to his halfway point in health, or I use all of my, um, what do you call them, the health gourds. Yeah. You know, I use them all up in the first uh, half of the fight versus I didn't use any health gourds in the first half of the fight, and I didn't die. Mm -hmm. You also can resurrect at least once mm -hmm. when you die. Kind of plays into the name, Shadows Die Twice. <gasps> and I remember when I finally felled this guy without using any health gourds and only resurrecting once and fucking just did the final blow, mm -hmm. I was like, this is a fucking victory for the ages. And that's the coolest <laughs> thing that yeah. every encounter like that, like with sub bosses or even like a, a field of enemies, like you get such a sense of triumph. And I love that about these games that like death is the design. You're going to get your ass handed to you so many times, but each time you die, you're learning more and more about the play field, about the strategy, and you will come out victorious eventually. Yeah, I feel like Sekiro <laughs> does a better job of, like, checkpointing, where you still have to go to basically a little fire shire mm -hmm. slash lamppost to, uh, uh, it's the same thing, too. When you rest up, your health goes back up, but mm -hmm. the enemies respawn. Same thing. But those are also, like, much better placed than in previous games, where I felt like there was one right before the boss that I needed to get to. Mm -hmm. And so it was pretty easy to be like, I died? All right, I'm fucking back in it man yeah. <laughs> like you just run straight to him figure out the line to get past like whatever enemies that you don't need to fight and then go straight to that boss tell me about your encounter with the chained ogre oh the chained ogre because i feel like that's the first learning lesson 
in Sekiro when it comes to, like, you need to pay attention to what your enemy is doing. Uh, I wouldn't say that so much, because you definitely get some generals early on that, like, you have to learn how to break their posture in certain That's ways. True. But this um, one is more about, like, evade. I don't have... So it each fight, you cannot handle in the same way. No, no, no. The generals are, like, a certain thing. They, they, they just feel like um well, the more... regular enemies, but a bit harder. Yeah. It is this guy that's like, oh, he's unpredictable. He moves differently. He moves fast. He fucks you up. This giant ogre that yeah. looks like from Attack on Titan. It's less about swordplay versus swordplay and more about this enemy has a wide sweeping range of abilities and attacks. They can He can grab you. He can throw you. Yeah. And when he grabs you and throws you, he'll suplex you and toss you across the map yeah. or off the level even. And it'll take out your entire bar of health. The Chain Ogre was a challenge because you get, like, these two little uh, enemies you have to take out first, and then there's an enemy with a lance, like, kind of around the stairway up by him. But, like, he's chained up in a little padlock, and when you approach him, he starts, like, going into berserk mode and starts breaking out. You have an opportunity to, like, slash down his health a little bit beforehand, um, but once he breaks out, like, you have to be very, like cautious you have to really study his movements there are some you can avoid and some you can't like when he Mm -hmm. dives at you and grabs you in certain situations he will grab you you are fucked but you have opportunities to kind of like lasso and grapple hook away like whether it's onto a building or onto him himself Mm -hmm. um and you really do have to like be patient with it sometimes yeah that was the fight where i like i i think for me at least it was the first time i was like oh I really need to change my play style because mm-hmm. I can't approach every fight yeah. the same way. I had to basically like study his movements and wait for him to do that stupid grapple thing and mm-hmm. just do the sidestep at, at the exact last second yeah. in order to get in behind and do two quick slashes and then back off and yeah. wait for him to do whatever he was going to do next. So it was a lot of like, I have to actually be patient with this fight instead of being pure aggression because yeah. when I'm pure aggression, he grabs me. Oh, I was getting super aggressive, like, towards, like, when I did the first three times, I was like, okay, cool, I'm learning what's happening here. When I realized I can go up and attack him before he actually breaks out, I was going ham on him, like, whirlwind slashing him, hacking him up. He does an attack where he basically will always, like, attack past you, and I'm like, cool, a few more hacks, got him down to half, and then I just back off and I watch, and I kind of just dance with him from there. It was fucking... That, that was a fun. I died like fifty times. Yeah, that's that. a that's a hell of a fight, and I know. Well, I actually haven't encountered any main boss fights yet. Um, that's a lot. Of, a lot of sub bosses and like really high level generals. Um, so I'm interested to see how those play out. Oh, you're about to, you're about to get the yeah. horseback general. He's a fight right after okay. chained uh, ogre. Yeah, have fun with that, <laughs> dude. I am. I am loving this game so far. I it's taking me in so many ways. It is visually breathtaking. So stunning. Um, we always talk about Bloodborne and Dark Souls with their Every contextual day. storytelling and the way they do subtle lore. I like that there's a story with this. No, I like yeah. that the main character can talk, and I like that there's a narrative that's fleshed out, and it pulls me into the world a little more immediately, but I'm still intrigued. I still want to know this version of Japan and this fantasy land. I want to know more about the dragon heir. I want to know more about Wolf and his history with this prince. You know, it's it's so... It's fascinating. And it feels like the first modern game I played in a really long time that wasn't like, you know, a remake or something like that. You know, it feels mm-hmm. original. It feels fresh. It's got all the DNA from those games we love. Yeah, it's not based on anything. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just its own It's beast. new. It's a cool new IP. And introduces its own little <laughs> ideas, too, where it's like, ooh, that's actually yeah. really exciting. Like how um, 
your resurrections that occur to you actually start affecting npcs around you if you die too much and do the resurrect button rather than just dying outright they get infected with a rot the dragon rot the dragon rot and you have to figure out a way to cure them too in order to continue their quest lines or else they're barred off from you that's something that it keeps happening and i'm like i'm not sure what's going on yet i know eventually over time i'll be able to figure out like how to help them but it's just like oh the people are affected with dragon rot your unseen ability is now fucked and i'm like what's going on yeah like it's (laughs) it's one of those very like bloodborne-ish things where it's like uh something's happening in the world and i don't know why yeah and then you figure out it's like oh wait i might actually be causing part of this yeah it's cool this game like you were saying before it explains itself a little bit more but just like not too much it doesn't sit there just no. like squawking its entire concept at you well, it just introduces and unravels this world like an onion and goes like hey by the way it seems like your resurrection ability is actually mm-hmm. causing like affecting everybody that comes into contact with you yeah and you're like what i mean it's still the the souls born approach of like subtle contextual stuff and environmental storytelling like you come across like npc characters who you talk to and you get a sense of history within the world Mm -hmm. or even stuff you see like i was like grappling hook around like this like little tree outlet area and i saw this giant snake skin and i was like oh shit there there's probably a fucking snake somewhere in this level that i'm gonna come across but it's great so far i love that it's not a huge stat dump i do really like that there is a character that is just base level skill tree and it makes it feel like you can't just dump all of your um, skill points into something like strength so you can become immediately OP. No. No, it keeps us all on the same level playing field and having to master it the same way. And I think that's really great. It's a di- it's a different <laughs> approach to the foundation of what From Software has always done. Mm-hmm. But I love them just going fucking ham on this. Yeah. It's a different game. It's a different beast. It is so fun. It's great. I have not hated a single moment nope. and I have not had any qualms with anything that's been happening to me. I'm just like, nope, this is great. It's funny because like a game like Bloodborne, like that initial central Yarnum stretch or like making your way through those areas. Like I found myself getting frustrated. Yeah. yeah, like I would get better and there was such triumph and I'm like, yeah, this is great. But like, I'm getting my ass handed to me and I'm loving it because yeah. the game, the gameplay foundation is so great. It's so actiony, so gameplay heavy. And it just, it's for me. Like these games are so for me. Mm-hmm. I like the, the emphasis on like defense and having to break your characters, uh, your enemies postures, and even having one of your own that you have to kind of pay attention to. It mm-hmm. just creates these really like decisive and calculating moments in battle that are just like, it's tough. But like, once you break that sort of, wall and get through it like it's so gratifying i love that they found a new way to challenge us with mm-hmm. like hardcore difficulty yeah. and it's not even like the, the same oh you gotta worry about stamina you gotta work like no yeah. we have new problems no i love that i don't have to worry about that shit yeah. because it's like i mean i'm not a big fan of stamina in the first place but if you're gonna put it as a system in the game yeah i will tailor my gameplay to it and learn it for sure, sure. but like this isn't about that at all no this it, is not about that it's at like, all. you know it's a different beast but i think we should have a full-on review episode i know i think so too we should have that so we can dump all of our impressions and about the d- different little lore mm-hmm. kind of tendencies in it much like we did our bloodborne dissection yeah. which you, you should check out on the safer please do because that's one of our favorite episodes that's one of our favorites done. but no this game is is great i know we're just gonna spend yep. so much time on it i want to get the platinum and i don't even know what the trophy list looks like in full i just want to beat the game and then i'll look back and yeah, yeah see yeah. if i need to restart the whole thing again um one quick aside i like the um what is it the harada estate there's this whole thing that exists in like kind of flashbacks mm-hmm. where there's like a whole kind of secondary campaign that you work through with like bosses and scenarios yeah i wonder if we're gonna get more of those that was really cool yeah it's like three years before the game starts and you like unlock an item to just go there and then you can just fast travel to it whenever yeah and it's 
pretty big challenge. I've had some pretty fucking hard fights mm-hmm. in there, and like the most enemies I've encountered were, have been at the Harada estate, yeah. so I'm wondering. I feel like I'm at a boss, like the last boss fight, and I'm getting my ass handed to me on this one. Is it the Lady Butterfly one, or is it the Lady one? Butterfly? Because okay. like she jukes you out when you think that's like, oh, the fight's done, and she's like, ha ha, good job, now fight me again, <laughs> motherfucker. And you're like, no, yeah, no, you, my you, health. <laughs> you did it like it took you two tries to like get her first life down. I yeah. was like, that seemed too easy, and yeah, it was too easy. It was too easy. God damn it. So. That, that's a lesson in this game. If it seems too easy, it's because it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I think we're gonna wrap this up. We're of course gonna have some more Sekiro impressions, of in course, the future, and more Division Two, and more DMC devil may cry and more anthem 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 yeah and <laughs> uh, maybe more stadia thoughts but you know that's that's for the future us we'll yeah figure that and out the future is streaming <laughs> <laughs> but right now we thank you we thank you for your ears once again if you want to just kind of share the save room word you have every opportunity to do so what's mm-hmm. your problem why aren't you doing it yeah. god damn it and if you don't spread the word you will get dragon rot and you will not be able to interact with anybody ever very true yeah <laughs> that's well, Kevin, what Miyazaki wanted thank you for sitting down with me and talking yeah. video games with you it's always always a fucking pleasure um, like we said at the front of the episode give us a follow um, at Save Room Show on Twitter or on our Twitch streams Kevin over at twitch.tv slash the red herb me at twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels or just give us a listen anywhere your ears can find us you know or our ears will find your ears what does that mean I don't know I, th- mm. I think I read it in Sekiro and it confused me <laughs> <laughs> you have a boss fight with just ears oh god <laughs> Just a room full of ears. Uh, All right, guys. Have a good night. Sekiro. Sekiro.